podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. When the unexpected comes calling, bounce forward with Comcast Business. Bounce forward fast with internet speeds up to a gig. And bounce forward with security solutions that help keep your connected devices protected. Help your business bounce forward with this amazing offer. For a limited time, ask how to get a $500 prepaid card. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go online today to learn more. Comcast Business. Prepaid card offer ends 12-13-20. Restrictions apply. New Comcast Business customers only. Call for restrictions and complete details. There's more to working from home than emails. So you need Wi-Fi with reliable speed, the most in-home coverage, and built-in security. You need Xfinity XFi. That's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity Internet and learn about our great offers. You'll get amazing value with speeds that deliver and reliable coverage you can count on. And with XFi Advanced Security, you can keep all the devices in your home connected and protected from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store to learn more today. Restrictions apply. There's more to working from home than emails. So you need Wi-Fi with reliable speed, the most in-home coverage, and built-in security. You need Xfinity XFi. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net. Brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Hello fellow Spurs fans, this is another edition of Touchline Hotspur, I'll be your host today Sai, and today I've got Owen with me, how are you today mate? Very good Sai, very good, thank you for asking, how are you? Yeah, not too shabby, bit of a late one today but I think I think we'll be able to make it through, uh, you guys will probably energise me. <laughs> We've got uh, Tops here with us today as well, how's it going dude? Yeah, good bro, what's going on? What are we saying? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Excellent. And last but not least, uh, the self-proclaimed MVP, we've got Toby. (laughs) (laughs) 
What's good? Good to be back. Good to be back okay, talking about the boys. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, we do have we do have quite a fair bit to talk about today. Um, obviously, the season is is starting, and we're still making uh, signings and things of that nature. So, first and foremost, uh, Joe Hart. Joe Hart has joined Tottenham Hotspur um, on a deal until twenty twenty two, I believe. Um, yeah, let's start there. How how are we feeling about that? Well, uh, I mean, whoever's watching the YouTube, by the way, and uh, I mean, why the long face? My face is actually quite long all of the time, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I don't hate the Joe Hart signing. Uh, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I don't really even rate him as a goalkeeper that highly, but I do. I do appreciate he's actually someone that's come in. He's homegrown, and another signing that has won some domestic titles as well. I think it's a slight improvement on Michelle Vaughan as well. It's a fair point, to be fair. Um, do we feel like he's going to be second or third choice within the packing order? Because I think that was a big debate amongst us uh, when it got announced. Um, for me, there's a few worrying signs, but where does everyone else feel like they're going to position him? I don't think you're the... Um... I don't think you're the only one who has some of these sort of worrying signs because um, Owen sort of downplayed the gap between him and Michel Vorm. He is considerably better than Michel Vorm because Michel Vorm was utter ass. He was terrible. <laughs> but Hart and Gazaniga, I mean, like someone said it on Twitter the other day, like all you have to do is just shoot to this guy's left side and it's, it's as good as a goal. It's as good as a goal. And the funny thing is, he's younger than Norris, and he's 10 times worse. He's 10 times worse than <laughs> and he's younger. So, me personally, true, true, true. I, as, I said, <laughs> as I said, I don't, like, I'm not mad at the signing. I get the, the homegrown status and whatnot. But in terms of the competition between him and Gaza, um, I think Gaza is a decent number two. I think he's, a, he's not a great number one, but I think he's a decent number two. And right now, He's shown me more than Joe Hart has in the last two years in which Joe Hart has been in England. So for me, the pecking order is Lloris, Gazaniga and Joe Hart. But I feel like Joe Hart knows if he can play well, he can easily change that number two spot. Yeah, to that, to that point about him conceding a lot to his left, that was, that was definitely me because at, <laughs> at some point it just clicked in my head that every time I see Joe Hart concede is to shots to his left-hand side and... Uh, it was highlighted a couple of years ago. There was there was like a match against Roma when he was on loan at Torino, and I'm pretty sure all four goals went to his left. And they weren't they weren't world class goals. They weren't things that were particularly difficult. It was just a clear weakness in either his footwork or positioning or even reactions to that left hand side. So it was a little bit worrying. Um, outside of that, like yeah, I do I do hope that he's third choice. Um, none the least because he wears short sleeves and that tattoo he has is terrible. Uh, <laughs> the less time I have to see that, the better. Um, but yeah, like it's not the end of the world, but it is also a worrying sign that we're sort of going down that route of having the, the passion merchants in the in the dressing room as opposed to proving quality. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I don't like. I I definitely definitely second that in the sense that he is probably going to be third, in my opinion, purely just because uh, 
even last season after Lloris had that injury and Gaza came in, I didn't think Gaza did too bad last season. Um, Shine. Fair, fair Chelsea. play. Tops, Chelsea. You don't remember that? <laughs> eh? Chelsea, you don't remember Gaza? Oh, yeah, yeah. He didn't do, I said he, he didn't do too bad, but as in like, if people talking about generally over, over that period, he didn't do too bad. But, yeah, fair. Like, if I think about Hart, like, Hart was second to, I think it was Pope, and then, or he and to Pope, and then to Pope. And then he only, I think he only played three games last season. So, you know, this is someone who's even, I mean, lacking a severe amount of match practice, um, even in the league. Like, I think he was only really brought in purely because of his, um, probably because of his character and also for the homegrown quota. Like, I don't know. When I think about him, I just think, that, like, his decline has been somewhat, no, somewhat rapid, like, because, you know, at the beginning of his career, he had lots of time and lots of different teams on loan before he finally got into the City team and he was there for a good six, seven years. You know, won a couple of titles, won some domestic cups, you know, played in some decent Champions League games. But then ever since Pep came in and basically said he didn't trust him as a keeper or, you know, in his ability to use his feet, things have kind of just gone downhill for him, you know. He went away to Torino, came back to City, West Ham, and he's kind of kind of lost his way, you know. Uh, missed out on the World Cup as well. Um, so, I don't know, when I think about him as a goalkeeper personally, I think he's on the decline. But it's always good to have someone like this for homegrown quota. You know, I suppose we are developing, trying to develop this mentality that we need winners and players who have character. So I suppose we can't, you know, we can't fault him for that. Again, this is someone that's played, you know, 75 games for England, more than 350 games in the Prem. Like, there are qualities there, but I definitely think he does fall, unfortunately, behind Gazzaniga at the moment when I'm looking at him. And I suppose maybe as well, maybe because he's English, you know, we've got a lot of English lads in the team as well. That kind of would help um, in terms of general, the morale and, you know, the togetherness of the team. But, you know, to be, to be fair, I just hope he kicks on. I think, like, you know, if chance does come for him, he should take it with both hands and try to ride these, these next, what is it, two-year contract he's got? Yeah. Yeah, so try to ride his two years and see what, he can, see what he can do for us, you know. It is kind of funny how he's, He's very similarly aged uh, to Larice, but I mean, those the two of them seem <laughs> worlds apart. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Tell you what, though, um, you mentioned the point about match fitness. No, no homo, yeah, but bruv, he is a unit. <laughs> <laughs> no, True, no, I, man. I, I, I saw pictures because obviously they, should, they released the photos of obviously him doing his medical and whatnot. The guy, forget his douchey tattoos. The guy is an absolute unit. So <laughs> I think it's going to take him long to get back to full match fitness because he looks like he keeps himself in pristine condition. The funniest That's thing cool. about those photos, though, is when they're doing the medical, it looked like they were in a pet, petting zoo with a giraffe. The geezer's naked. He must be like six foot seven or some shit with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's an ost- ostrich neck, isn't it? Man? <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's true though, man. Like even footballers, you know, as a goalkeeper, he's built like a Spartan. Like he's absolute unit. Yeah. Hilarious. 
<laughs> hopefully, hopefully his uh, fingers have gotten stronger over the years. Then <laughs> on that on that melted, left side, melted butter fingers. Not, not on it, but hopefully he only plays like one or two games, and they don't cost us uh, positions in in cup competitions like Michelle. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm I'm fed up with that. Um, speaking of homegrown players and uh, sort of the whole transfer saga at the club, I guess um, we have seen Oliver Skip go out on loan to Norwich. Um, obviously, that now makes two of our homegrown sort of up and coming potential star boys um, out on loan. Uh, with Parrot going to Millwall earlier in the window. Um, do we feel like Norwich is a good loan for someone of uh, Skip's quality? I think so, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I think he'll get game time there. Um, I heard that he did have quite um, a variety of offers in terms of like teams who wanted to pick him up on loan. But I think for a team who have just been chucked out of the Premier League, um, I never really felt that Norwich had like a settled sort of midfield sort of pairing at the base of their midfield anyway this season. Um, they had quite a lot of injuries as well. And I think he's someone who, like, I, I think for the majority of fans, I think they're sort of, they we know that like he he can sort of cut it at a reasonable level, but the, the jury is pretty much out on whether he can sort of actually kick ball. Can he kick on? Can he, is he a dictating type midfielder? Is he a midfielder who needs to break up play? So I think now Norwich, perfect platform for him to go out there and get um, get the number of game times in a, in a physically demanding league as well. So I think now we might actually see what Skip is really about. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the signs were positive with him uh, towards the end of the restart games. Um, he looked like he was a bit more physically imposing and he looked like he had gained a little bit of confidence from having the time off and maybe having that one-on-one uh, time with maybe Jose, um, who spoke highly of him uh, in every interview that he was asked about him. So it is quite interesting. I think Initially, when I heard about Skip going to Norwich, I did expect to hear an announcement of someone incoming from from there. Um, so I was slightly disappointed to not hear of like just maybe a Jamal Lewis or a Max Aaron's coming the other way. Um, but at the same time, I think from from a developmental standpoint, it's definitely good for him to sink his teeth into regular football. Um, and as you said, the demands of of the championship are pretty high and we've seen quite a few players return to us from loan spells as amazing, amazing talent. So I won't ever turn my nose up like that. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely, definitely run with that. Like um, the championship ain't no joke these days. You know, when you get to like October time onwards, you're pretty much playing two games a week. And it is a fairly decent standard where a lot of players, you know, can transition into sort of decent premiership players. So I'm kind of happy for him as well because everyone's kind of spoken kind of well of him, even under Pochettino. Um, and then from everyone, what everyone says, you know, in the background at Spurs, that he's kind of been kind of too good to be playing under 23s, but not really at that level to be starting every every week for, for us. So I think this is a great opportunity for him. Um, I also think Daniel Farker, is he's still the manager, right? I think yeah. he's... He plays football kind of in a, in a decent sort of way as well. Like, even though, you know, they got relegated and 
defensively, there are lots of issues. I think they still try to play their kind of game, um, which is kind of which is kind of positive for him. So at least you know he won't be in a team that won't be afraid to sort of get the ball down and get him on the ball, which I think is also good for him. And rightly so. I mean, like, I think like the loan system is one thing that I think Pochettino just didn't use as much as he could have um, as manager, uh, getting some of our decent sort of youngsters out on loan as opposed to keeping them on the haunches of the first team. But I'm happy for him. Like, everyone seems very positive about, about Skip. And I actually think there is a player there. Um, so, I don't know, give him a year. I'll definitely be watching him. Give him a year and see how he gets on. Um, I, I feel like the loan system is such a funny one, in, especially in the championship, because... The championship is such a sturdy league. It really does pull the, the most out of you as a player. Like, you know, uh, I'm going off of here, but like someone like Luke Amos, like, you know, he's been at Tottenham plus 10 years and he was pretty much on the haunches of getting into first team. Um, came on against Newcastle back in like 18, 19 and had a very good preseason. And then for the under 23s, got that sort of ACL injury and ended up basically being out for most of the season. And finally coming back, you know, watching him last season at QPR, I thought, again, he did very well, but obviously was probably surplus to um, requirements at Tottenham. And now he's probably going to have a decent sort of career with a, with a four-year deal now at QPR. Um, so good luck to him. But hopefully we can get a decent player back in skip. And hopefully that will, like, you know, aid his development so that when he comes back, we have a better rounded, more tough, robust sort of player to add to the team, you know? Yeah, definitely. It is, it is interesting on that Luke Amos point. Um, we are starting to see over, over the last couple of years, especially um, when players do go out on loan, they tend not to return. That now makes uh, Carl Walker-Peters and Luke Amos, who are from the same sort of generation, who had their loans. Um, the signs were, were positive for the most part in terms of the standard they were at. But they haven't managed to make make enough of an impression for us to bring them back as sort of a potential breakthrough prospects, um, and that adds to a long list. I, I think it's positive that our that our um, academy is making ripe and ready players for like the two top divisions in England. Um, but it is disappointing whenever we don't make the most out of homegrowns. Um, but we move. Um, you touched on uh, fixture congestion, which also links into this sort of uh, depth of our squad conversation. Uh, so moving into the new season, obviously we start pre-season in about a week. Um, I think our first game is next week, is it? The 12th. I think it might be this weekend. Yeah, it's oh, uh, is this preseason? Preseason, sorry, yeah, it's 22nd. Well, yeah, it's this weekend. Yeah, our first preseason game is the 22nd against Norwich, um, which will then sort of lead us into the next couple of preseason games and then into Europa League qualification and all of that stuff. Um, so first and foremost, how, how are we sort of expecting to see us line up against Ipswich for our first game? Um, especially considering that the season just finished. Give me Cess. Give me <laughs> Give me Cess and them. That's all I care about. What position? Left back. Yeah. Left wing back. Yeah. Give me Cess and them. I want to see this manager experiment because we are going 
going to have to utilise every single one of our players this season. I don't want to hear talk of Sessignon going out on loan. Give me Sessignon at left-back. You've preached that you think this guy can reach Ashley Cole's levels like, he's, like we discussed in the last pod. So let him play there. I remember towards the end of last season, we were saying, I think a bunch of us were saying, you know what, Jose plays this system where he plays Aurier as sort of like the attacking right-back and Ben Davies sits. So maybe why don't he... Why doesn't he try and experiment using Tanganga as sort of like the sitting sort of right back and let Sessignon attack? I just want to see. I just want to see the manager sort of utilize some of these sort of fringe players in our team because they're all going to have to be. They're all going to have to stand up and be counted for this season with the volume of matches we have. So, Sess is one of many players I want to see playing regularly under the manager. So, give me Sessignon on Saturday or Sunday, whenever it is. Hmm. Yeah, it's unclear how many people like or who's going to be starting, but there's quite a few people who I'd like to see given minutes. Um, the obvious one would be Ndombele, but I'm not sure if he's even back from holiday yet. Delhi's looking nice on holiday. Um, <laughs> not even the assessment, but where he yeah. had the hamstring injury towards the end of the season. And I'm not one to kind of feel like our players should be, you know, working hard on holiday, making sure they're getting fit and ready and proper. But he's doing deadlifts in some other training sessions. So his hamstring's looking good at least. I think he can be massive for us if he manages to stay fit during the season. I don't know what you guys think about that. He seems to divide so much opinion, but I'd really love it if he can stay injury-free and... The other, I mean, for young players who I'd like to see get minutes, say Harvey White, Dennis Shirkin, and apparently Alfie Devine's been training with the first team as well. So that'd be cool to have a nice little look at our new star boy. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think the interest. Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get set for the season with up to $1,000 off. So you can set the stage with style and set the bar more beautifully. So why not settle in together on a new sofa? Because being at home doesn't mean having to settle for less. Even though the holidays feel a little different this year, Haverty's Furniture can help you create the perfect holiday setting with up to $1,000 off plus 0% interest. Ones for me are going to be guys like Jetson. Um, obviously, with our send and wing, uh, skip out on loan, um, and still having this guy on loan at our club, it is quite interesting to see what role he'll end up playing uh, over the course of the season, and particularly what position we're going to play him at. Obviously, we we all sort of had a bit of a a discussion a few weeks back about him being tried at right, right back. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that ends up coming into fruition or whether or not he takes a position in the centre of midfield because um, I do expect us to go three-man mid with Hoybier, um joining. Uh, so, yeah, it is really interesting. Um, the point about Tanganga potentially playing right back as well is one that we, I think we we're all sort of expecting to see at some point. Um, maybe with the hope of actually having an indication whether or not we're going to go to market for an attacking left-back. Um, but with Sass there, we never know. We never mm. know. Another one see Kirkin is... He, sorry, Toby. Yeah, he, he's uh, probably Danny Rose. Yeah. Like, if the manager and the players are happy for him to play, I don't... 
I think he struggled to name three left backs who are currently better than him in the league. So if he can stay forward, then we might be able to shift Ben Davis and get some no, money for no. him. Because what I didn't realize is apparently he doesn't come under he doesn't come under this homegrown quota for the Europa League. Who? Which uh, yeah. is surreal, Ben Davis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because he comes under. Is it the FA for the FA f- under Wales? Is that is that is that right? Or yeah, something like, like this. Yeah, I was. I, I think I read. I, I read that somewhere. Yeah, as well. Like uh, I think next season, as it comes, like I would like Rose to kind of get back into the side. Like I've never had an issue with him as a player. I feel like yes, there's been a decline. But I still feel he has something to offer when he wants to play. Um, if he's on his game and he really is keen, he is probably the best right back, uh, left back we have. Um, but I am kind of excited to see um, Sirkin. I'm kind of excited to see White. Um, I'm actually a big fan of Tanganga. Like I feel like we were kind of teased with him last season and he played a number of different roles. Um, and I feel like as his confidence is growing, I think we have a really, really good talent there. Um, so it will be kind of interesting to see how he kind of pushes the current guys to try and get into that first team. Um, Dele, for me, has to improve this season. Like, I'm so I'm so divided on him because I feel like there's large part of his games of his game that I feel needs to improve. But when I look at him, like. And the talent that he has and what he's done so far in his career as a 23, 24-year-old, 50 goals, the types of goals he scored, you know, his role in some of the important games we've had. I feel like if he just adapts correctly and stays injury-free, and that's the main thing, because probably as a young player, you know, you're just playing, you're playing, you're playing, and nothing really affects you. And all of a sudden you get these injuries which don't allow you to do what you just want to do, which is just play. So whether we maybe give him a bit more stick and maybe don't really give him benefit of the doubt when it comes to that, that actually the injuries have actually played a massive, massive part in the way he's developed in the last sort of year, at least year and a half. So I would like to see him sort of kick on as well and get back to old Delhi, man. Get back to old Delhi, man. Off, off like, the striker. It, it, really, like. really, it really irritates me when people get onto Delhi. More so than any other player, I think. Over, over, the, over the years, obviously, Harry Kane has missed a lot of games for us through injury. And he's had these grace periods where he's basically been eased back into the team in terms of what people's perception is of him. No one ever really seriously with their chest says, all right, Harry Kane isn't the same player, even though there have been indicators during those periods. Whether they're right or wrong, the, the prolonged periods of like no production have been there. Whereas with Delhi, all he really needs is two games of not, not scoring and everyone's on his back saying, oh, his attitude is wrong. Oh, he doesn't really, he doesn't warrant all the hype and all of this stuff when... Realistically, we signed a kid for, what, five, six mil. Yep. He had a few games at centre mid and then immediately showed that he was a class above a lot of the other guys that were playing. So he deserves a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a grace period for me in terms of 
his ascent to the point that he was at was way, way ahead of schedule. And for young midfielders especially, it sometimes takes a little bit of time for them to go through that plateau and then elevate to that next level again. Yeah. I, I genuinely think if, if it wasn't for like him having Hublot stolen or this, that and the third, all of the sort of like off the field sort of quote-unquote antics, even though there haven't really been any, and this weird perception that he was fiery and all of that bullshit, I genuinely think people would cape for him just as much as they do for a Harry Kane or X player that they like. Yeah, I think I think with Ali, I think one, I think he's a he's a victim of his own success, and two, I think that because he he's seen as living or enjoying his life, there are certain sections of our fan base who seem to think that that is what's going to distract him from football. And it really, like, it's one of the most irritating things um, I, 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 I hate hearing. Stuff I remember last, I think it was the, the year we got to the Champions League final, I remember his form obviously fell off a cliff, understandably, because he had major, major injuries. And sorry, there's a fly here. And, um, mm-hmm. and I'm hearing some nonsense like, oh, he's too distracted by his boo-hoo deals and stuff. I'm thinking, no. I'm thinking planet you live on why are you telling me that a guy trying to a guy trying to diversify his wealth by getting a clothing sponsorship is an issue when he was banging in when he was banging in 18 um 18 goals in all competitions or something like that and like 15 assists that season when we finished third etc etc and he still had his clothing deals his hats and whatnot you weren't saying this then so why is it when he's playing bad that you want to say this but anyway back to my main point i think he's a victim of his own success like you said sir he hit heights that no one else expected him to hit so early on in his career. And now he's sort of plateauing and he's sort of mellowing out into a sporadic, but still talented player. If you look at his numbers, like we, we've discussed it before. I remember, so we were discussing it on the, on the Geordie pod. Um, if you look at his numbers in comparison to the players who are perceived to be better than him, they're just as good, if not better. With, with probably equal or less, less appearances. If you look at the amount of games he's won us this season, again, he's still proven that he's a match winner. But the one thing I will say about Ali, though, and I, 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 I do agree he deserves his grace period. I think if you look at what he did in the first three seasons for us, by default, it, mean, it automatically means that he's immune from any sort of talk of him being sold for at least, at least a good, another three seasons. I'm sorry. There's no way on earth you can do what he was doing, match the work he was doing at 20, 19, 20, 21 years old and tell me that, yeah, we should be looking to sell him this summer. Yeah? Precisely. It's, it's stupid. The only way, for me, the only way he leaves is if we get an offer that we simply can't refuse. Otherwise, I would never be looking to sort of ship him out now. I think he deserves another opportunity. But I also think now it's getting to a point now where he can't hide behind his injury. Last year, we gave him the grace period because he was shunted at different positions, etc. He had his injuries. He missed like pretty much probably like 60% of the season, cool. But this year, fair enough, he had these injuries early on. But since Mourinho, Mourinho came and put his arm around him, played him regularly. He said, you're my guy, you're my guy. You started off well, maintained the levels. It's up to him now to win his spot back into that team now because there's no excuses now. You're fit. You have a manager who still believes in you. You have a squad that you've shown you're capable of breaking into and performing in. So the choice is yours now. You have to put in that work on the pitch and convince the manager that, yeah, you're good enough to start now. Because for the first time ever in his career, there's actually competition. 
There's finally competition for his spot. And now he's got, to the, he's got to put that work in and show us why he was this player that we were rating two or three years ago. It's that simple. Yeah, and I think I think there's definitely a few guys uh, that this preseason is going to be key for um, in that regards. Um, and then obviously we're going to fastly transition into the Europa League uh, qualification. So the competitive nature of the squad is going to be tested pretty much immediately. Um, in my in my little note that I've put down, so obviously there was an article on the 18th uh, when all of these fixtures got announced about um, all of the games that we'll play in a short period of time. Uh, so we start on the 17th of September uh, with Europa League qualification. And basically up until the 29th of, or no, October 4th, we're basically playing a game every three days. Um, yeah. So the squad is going to be immediately tested uh, with Europa qualification, Carabao Cup games, and then the start of the Premier League. Um, do we have faith that we'll be able to make that through without any any hiccups, or are we quite pessimistic about that? Uh, is that um, make it through the Europa League or just that period of time? So just that period of time. So between the yeah. and September the and the 4th of October. Like, and I was looking at the games that we currently have there. So the first four, Everton, Southampton, Newcastle, Man United, as we've got, we've got our Carabao Cup game and then potentially three Europa League games. Like, it's, it's tight, man. I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say we'll walk it all, but it's tight. Like, I just what is frustrating at the moment for me is that I think we have the quality in the team, but I just need to see the final shape of the squad to see how it basically rounds out, so that if we do have like a first team, then what players come in to replace some players in that first team, how do we change it up for the for um, the games that are coming and subsequently where it leaves us towards the end of that run? Because I think at the end of that, I think on the third, that's the Man United game. So we would kind of be hoping that we would have hopefully done enough in the Europa League playoff, which I think is a couple of days before that, to put ourselves in a position to put a decent team out against United because that's probably our first big game of the season. So for me, I just need to see us in the next two weeks sort out this transfer situation we have with regards to securing the squad so that we know really what the final shape and look of the whole squad is and see kind of what we have. Because at the moment, like, you know, if it's based on the numbers we have now with Skip going out, Parrot going out, um, Hart coming in, Hoiberg in, I mean, we are still a bit thin. Uh, no backup striker. Oria might be off. We're not sure yet. Um, no backup right back. I don't know. <laughs> like I can't really say at this point. I, for me, I'm, I'm I'm just waiting to see what the bigger picture is in terms of the squad. I don't know. What do you might think? I think I think um, I think the first three Premier League matches. I think nine out of nine points is doable. It won't be easy. Um, especially with the especially with the fixture pileup as well, and especially considering one of the matches in that sort of first three game period is Southampton away, and we know the issues they caused us last time. Truly, on paper, on paper, start as you mean to go on, and I really think you got to lay you lot you got to lay a gauntlet down 
and show that this season you mean business. And I think the and I think the best the best indicator for that is going out and getting nine points out of nine. We finished the season strongly, putting away sides that are on a similar level to the three sides that were playing um, in the early, early opening fixtures. So I think we just need to um, we just need to try and somehow carry that form over as well. And I think a lot of it also depends on the the difficulty of um, opponents we're going to get in the League Cup and the in the in the yeah. Europa League. Well, I think if we get, I think we're all expecting to get some some random whipping boys from Azerbaijan or or Estonia mm-hmm. or something like that. So <laughs> if that's the case, then at least it can mean that we can play as fringe a squad as it gets and still keep our better players fresh for some of the more important <laughs> important matches as well. And if I and if it were, if it were up to me, and I was Mourinho, I would legit do. For the League Cup, anyway, I know, I know, we all won a cup and whatnot. But if it was for the League Cup, I would legit do what Jurgen Klopp did last year, and just play, just play as many sort of young or fringe players as possible. So mm-hmm. what? The schedule, you, you can't, you can't beat the schedule. So pick, pick which one's uh, more of a priority for you. I would much rather win the Europa League than the League Cup. I would much rather finish in the top four than win the League Cup. So you got to pick your battles. Correct. I, I do. I definitely verge on that on that side of uh, the spectrum with you in terms of there needs to be a bit of a priority set from as early as possible um, because we don't really have the luxury of fielding a full strength side or even doing what City do and pretty much field two separate 11s over the course of the season. Um, and even for them, it doesn't it doesn't particularly work out the way that they would expect despite the riches of talent that they have. Um, me personally, this is one of the reasons I didn't really want the Europa League in the first place. Um, sound like a broken record, but I would prefer us to basically have that, that focus on the league for the first time in what a decade. Um, but we have to contend with what we've been given, and ultimately, after the celebrations of Mourinho when we did secure Europa League, I do feel like he has he has like a legitimate. Um, point to prove that he's going to be able to manage this as well as the squad managing it. Um, he's going to have to bite the bullet and, and make a decision on guys like Endombele because we're not going to make it through the season just leaving man on the bench. Um, I don't want to see us not rotate our fullbacks just because he has a preference for a singular style of play. Like He's going to have to start to experiment with the squad and he's going to have to use the full depth of it in order for us to be successful. Like, um, one thing I think is also important as well is that, like, this feeling of, like, m- momentum, you know? Because we're going to have all these games and, obviously, massively, we're going to be prioritising the Premier League and the Europa League games. But it's just important as well that we maintain the momentum. Because the one thing that always kind of kills teams as well and we always forget it is that like after the first four games in the Premier League there's this dumb international break and when I think back to years gone by like I remember back like 18-19 season we had a very very good run in the first four games I think the fourth game 89 season we went away to United more more done a madness Kane scored and we were on a high and after that international break came it kind of got deflated. We came back and then we ended up having like a drab draw against Watford and then we ended up not winning. 
for the lost. next like we lost I we lost because I was at that yeah, we lost. and then we ended up, we ended up going on a run of like three games about getting a win before we then like reset ourselves. So I feel like the momentum is very important going in. Like I do, I do kind of, I get, I get your point, Sam. Man, like Europa League, it does add to the congestion, but I feel like if we're gonna go for it, we might as well just, we might as well just go for it. I mean, like we're in it now and unless we, you know, default ourselves and get ourselves out of it, the only thing we can do is just basically put all our cards on the table and go for it. But for me, I just want the Premier League, I just want it down, man. Like, when I think about these first four games as well, like, Everton at home, we just about beat them in the restart. Bloody Southampton, Ings put Alderweireld on his, on his back. Joe Linton buried us when we came home. And then a Rashford masterclass in that game. So if we're looking at the first four games last season, we got three out of 12 points. So I want us to get at least a minimum this season of like 10 points. Three wins in those first three games and a win or a draw against United because I feel like if we start the season as we mean to go on, then we can kind of get through this sort of first shitty congested, congested period and then we can have the international break knowing that we set ourselves a platform for a season moving forward, you know? In terms of platforms, pla- oh, sorry to cut you off, Tom. Um, you go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go, go, go for it, go for it. In terms of in terms of platforms, um, obviously a lot, a lot of people when these, well, pretty much all of us when the fixture lists come out, we look for the two scum fixtures. Uh, that's Chelsea and the bastards from down the road, um, and we actually are playing them in really close proximity to each other. So. Uh, in November, we start with West Bromwich Albion away on the 7th. <laughs> then we get Man City uh, at home on the 21st. Then we start the real Christmas run um, from November 28th. We play Chelsea away, then Arsenal at home, Crystal Palace away, Liverpool away, Leicester home, Wolves away, Fulham home. And that's right. that's what six games in December, um, two rivals back-to-back, the reigning champions of the way. Like, it looks tough reading, but realistically, you got to play all these teams at some point. So anyway. how much stock do we put in the back-to-backs? It's, it's... Why do millions of Americans choose to sleep on Bolin Branch sheets? Is it the 100% organic cotton? Is it that they get softer and softer over time? Customers can't stop raving about these sheets, and there's no better time to try them for yourself or give them to someone you love. Right now, Bolin Branch is offering their best deals of the year, and you can get their incredibly soft sheets at incredibly low prices. Just go to BolinBranch.com to shop their best deals today. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com today. See site for details. Listen, I think, I get it, it's... There, it's not an easy run of fixtures, but you know what? You can only like if you if you if you want to make people believe that you are serious about this top four challenge, you will look at that fixture list and you say, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna go there. We're gonna play to the best of our ability, and let's see where it gets us. That's all that we can ask for because if we look at some of our performances in those fixtures last season, a lot probably half of those games we didn't even turn up. We didn't even turn up. Some of them we sort of 
we fluked our way to a couple a couple wins like Wolves away, City at home. But go there with the intention to play well and to at least have a game plan to to to, to hurt the opposition. And you never know what can happen. You never know. In previous seasons as well, I'll never forget that run that we had in that sort of 2017-2018 season when I remember everyone was, we start, I didn't think we started the new year well and we had like Man United, then we had Arsenal, then we had Liverpool, then we had Juventus, like all in the space of like two, three weeks. And we literally took it in our stride. So the squad, fair enough, maybe it's not as strong as it was back then, but there's some sort of stubborn mentality within this team that, that means that sometimes some of these players, emphasis on some of these players, can raise their game for the big occasion. So hopefully we can use that as a springboard and just try and motor our way through these, through these games. I'm not saying we're going to win. I'm expecting at least, at least two losses in that run. That's just, <laughs> that's just my opinion. But I'll happily take, I'll happily take three points, a, a draw, maybe two draws, and I'll take the two losses. But you have to go there with the intent to at least try and rattle the opposition. Because some of those performances I saw last year, they just weren't cutting it. We didn't even go there to compete. And that's, that's unacceptable. It's pretty funny, though, because any, any time we've had these tough runs and like really, really looked at the season as a whole, some of these runs have been the catalyst for us to achieve those big moments. So I remember vividly, like, in the lead up to us getting the top four where we finished the season at uh, Man City and Peter Crouch scored the goal that got us to the Champions League for the first time. In the like four weeks prior, I'm pretty sure we had played Arsenal and Chelsea in the lead up to that. Yeah, that we um, even if we go back to the Carlin Cup run 2008, we beat Arsenal and Chelsea to win it. So, I mean, these things for me serve as like quite, quite a an exciting prospect more so than, than, than a Debbie Downer, if you like, like for me, like there's nothing better than having like weeks and weeks of football where you're really anticipating big, big games. Like that, that's why we follow the sport. And that's why I hope we would uh, follow our team with like that real passion and that unrelenting desire for us to do well. Maybe if, if the world opens up by that time, maybe we'll all have like that real vigor to our support. And maybe that can be the thing that lifts us. If yeah. not, we'll just watch from home and hope for the best, I guess. <laughs> man. Yeah. Like I said, just compete, man. The best we can ask for is for you to go there and compete. If you compete, you never know what can happen, but just go there and compete, please. That is all I ask for. I beg in the name of God, Spurs go there and actually show some intent to try and get something out of the game. And none of this bullshit where he's playing six man, but six man behind, six man defence with literally like one attacker up front like we did against Chelsea. I don't want to see any of that crap. <laughs> Go there with a proper game plan to hurt the opposition. We got that to... might be his game plan though, unfortunately. You know, he's, he, oh he's renowned for sucking the life out of games at times, so... Touch wood, we don't get any injuries as well, because that could be a big part as well. Um, I think with everyone being fit now, at least it, it makes his job a bit easier in terms of options to choose what style of, what, what, what type of tactic he wants to employ in a certain type of game. So touch wood, we have um, the bulk of our options available um, for that running as well, because the worst thing that can happen to us is for us to have 
similar injuries that we've had in previous seasons in this upcoming season, especially in that run, that'll be hell. So let's just hope that we we stay injury free up to that point because, like you said, that's that that run could genuinely cap, either catapult our, our season or just crush it into smithereens. Correct. Yeah. So um, today we've also had uh, another teaser of the All or Nothing Spurs docuseries um, with a, a bit of an Easter egg or a teaser as to who will be narrating. Um, obviously, Twitter is pretty quick and the Spurs community is rabid. So it looks as if Tom Hardy will be narrating it. Um, bit of a random one, if you ask me. Yeah, it's very... <laughs> very random and the voice the voice he was putting on it sounded like his Bane voice from Batman if I remember <laughs> Dan <laughs> and I was like bro it's so true it sounded just like his Bane voice in Batman and I was thinking Tom Hardy don't speak like this normally does he it's just it's baffling <laughs> I mean you look you look a bit befuddled by it all <laughs> I don't know what to say on it. It's um, it's just a weird decision to me. Like I don't know why they even picked like a Hollywood actor like Tom Hardy to voice it in the first place. I think. But like, do you know what's funny? Because uh, I was watching the Man City one, and the guy that was that was narrating it, I remember thinking, this guy's voice is like. It, it it was it was something regal about the way he was narrating, and like was if you guys, yeah, he's famous, and I end up looking, it's bloody Ben Kingsley, and I remember thinking, <laughs> bloody hell, like this guy is actually someone important, and then I remember thinking, even as well, like, I mentioned a couple of times that like, I I hate City, but that documentary is so captivating, like just the way they shot it. Mm. You know, the insight that they got, not just on, like, the manager, but, like, the football club and the players, when players get injuries, post-match reactions, pre-match amble, like, it just... It, I thought it was an unbelievable documentary. I personally did, and I suppose it's positive and it's all good when you're winning. <laughs> so, I think it's, it's going to be even crazier <laughs> to see what it's like for us, but I suppose they need to make it somewhat, somewhat like, uh, how can I call it, somewhat blockbuster, so that people are going to want to mm. um, to watch it. You know, not only the first episode you know, is Mourinho getting hired, apparently. Well, you know, so like Mourinho is like you know the the world's biggest sort of actor. Um, you kind of you kind of need uh, there to be this sort of bravado and this sort of um, grandiose sort of behaviour around it. Uh, I feel it will be interesting. I think it will be insightful as well as a mm. as a means of showing us how Tottenham was this season because I feel like there's a lot of things that fans maybe think that they know and maybe they don't realise and maybe we don't actually give the players credit for some things as well. Um, like even from some of the sound bites and in the trailer, you know, I know it sounds dumb and it sounds like basic, but I like seeing players get passionate because it means to me that it means something to them and they have this like big sheen and this big like light all over them which kind of makes you feel like footballers are you know overpaid and flashy and they're fancy boys but I like to see 
when guys are angry. I like to see when Dele's flinging that bottle because it means that, you know, it means something to him. And if it means something to him, then it means that actually then we are not giving them their flowers. We're just thinking that they're these overpaid, lazy, you know, uh, pansies, you know. And mm. that's why I'm kind of looking forward to, like, the the documentary. And, like, who knows? Like, I have a slight feeling as well that, like, I don't know, I feel like Levy's got something under his... And I don't know, I feel like maybe there might be something about them maybe sponsoring the stadium. I don't know, I don't know. I just have a weird <laughs> feeling, I don't know. You don't seem convinced, Toads. It's wishful thinking. It's wishful thinking. <laughs> but you know what, you know what? Let me not lie. I was I was fake earlier on. I pretended as if I knew who Ben Kingsley was at first glance. I had to quickly Google What's Tops has given us these sort of thoughts on um on the documentary, but I think it's gonna be good. You know what? As I said, I think a lot of Spurs fans are in the same boat now where they weren't really looking forward to it when we were getting fresh left, right, centre during the season. But now the season's, the season's done, the dust has settled and we're seeing how sort of cinematic they're making the trailers look. Everyone's sort of like, mm. okay, right, like, we're finally going to get some insight into our club and we're going to get it in some sort of really watchable format. So I'm all for it now, man. I'm all mm. in. I've got to thank you as well, Tots, because you took all of those British buzzwords kind of away from the onus of me and I didn't have to say <laughs> we're good on that and um, give Tom Hardy a little bit of credit as well I mean apparently he's very very good at doing these readings on the CBB's channel uh, yeah he's got a very soothing voice so yeah it's making me if it is him it's made me a little bit less nervous to watch it a little bit on, on your point uh tops uh, regarding Amazon potentially being involved in name and rights or sponsorship of some sort. Um, over this season, especially since COVID, uh, Spurs have done the N17 live um, sort of service, if you will, where they do pre-match sort of uh, breakdowns and commentary and things. And it's very Spurs centric. Um, and over the last couple of weeks, we've seen a few emails of codes getting sent out for us to view the preseason games um, from the comfort of our homes. Um, how do we feel about that being a potential model moving forward? Because I think with, with, with the way that coverage goes and with COVID, the way that we're seeing the media go about sports in general is starting to shift a bit. Um, do we feel like that could be a model for us moving forward? Or is that something that we would invite? Mm. It's another way for him to grab money, isn't it? It's another way for him to grab peas because as far as I'm aware, I, don't, I, I didn't think N17 was like a free service. I don't, me personally, um, I get the intention, but I would much rather sort of pre-match analysis from people who I trust better to give me good, informative sort of pre-match analysis. If I'm watching Spurs, I want to watch Spurs where the big hitters are talking about our team and what they can see from the outside looking in. I reckon if I watch it from a Spurs channel, I'm gonna, it's going to be too, I don't know what word I'm looking for, it's going to be too sort of, too, not too positive, but it's going to be, there's, they're not going to really have the best sort of impartial view on our team. So for me personally, I get the whole logic behind the, N, the N17 sort of live service, but it's not really for me. Even the, 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 the friendlies, I don't really want to watch all the friendlies. I'm, I'm, I'm that real. I just want to watch the highlights. Show me the highlights. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. 
show me the and highlights and the players that I want to see playing. Like, moving forward with the N17, is it something that they're thinking, like, in the scheme of things, to start streaming the, uh, the games for Tottenham? Or is that uh, just the friendly games? Is that what, because, like, even the situation that, that we've got at the moment with, like, not being able to go maybe until like, October or December, like, it's, I don't know, what's, what's, the word, what's the best way for me to describe it? Like, I think it's I think it's disgusting, like the way the TV companies have actually kind of, you know, ridden this this sort of period because obviously they know that fans ain't gonna be able to go to the games, but obviously during the restart we were able to watch all the games, but there's no there's not gonna be any like legal way for us to be able to watch every single game. And in an ideal world, we would actually want a way to even if it's just our team, we would want a way to watch our team play but whether or not they would actually force people to pay for that on top of even if they're having to pay like their the prices for the for the tickets or the season tickets that are currently being sort of held I don't know like I'm I'm a little bit like confused how they kind of want to run this template for the N17 because I feel like whilst yes there is a place for it I also kind of agree with Tobes and the fact that like sometimes you don't when you want to watch when you when you, when you watch your team you either want to watch it and not hear nothing or you want to watch something and someone's going to be completely objective and give you an honest viewpoint on how they see it, as opposed to not just wanting to hear what you want to hear because you're a Spurs fan, you know? Yeah, I, I think that there's definitely a balance to be struck. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll just break it down in terms of what I understand it to be so far. Um, so the during the last sort of stretch I do know that Spurs were sending out uh, codes for Now TV parties for people to view the games. Um, and that was usually reserved for people that held memberships or season tickets. Um, so that was a nice gesture. Obviously, moving into next season, there's a lot more uncertainty. And obviously, the, the whole network sort of licensing rights on the for, for the live games is quite a quite a hot topic at the best of times. Um, obviously, a lot of us have paid for memberships or season tickets and won't be able to physically attend the games. So as nice as it is to be able to be refunded for those games or even be given a pass, it doesn't really solve the, the problem uh, long-term. Um, so I think with this N17 thing, the way I would hope that it would work out is maybe be a bit of a pilot for a different model moving forward because I don't think every game will be televised this season. Um, and I don't honestly think that forcing everyone or funneling everyone to go through the Sky Sports or BT Sport route is particularly fair for people that do already hold memberships and aren't able to physically get to the game. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they manage that. I mean, for me, as, as like a bit of a nerdy technology guy, it's something that is really interesting to me. Um, but then, to, to be honest, we as a platform sort of solved the problem of biased uh, commentary because for every game that's played, we do the, the lives on the Discord and things of that nature and the banter is rife. So if you do want to feel a little bit of the heat um, for any game that is being played, you could always join on that anyway. Bit of a shameless plug there, but... Sweet plug. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Well, yeah. Do we do we know if we have any listener questions today? Because that was that was sort of a something that Tyler from our cast actually pushed forward to us is ask about the N17 uh, live bits and bobs. There was one about uh, Troy Beanie. So that's <laughs> oh, goodness. I feel like we kind of covered that and we covered it the way we needed to cover it. That's it. <laughs> like, like I, read, I, I read some, I read some bummy comment from him saying, like, said, man. earlier on, earlier on, he said something like, um, "Why would I want to leave now when Leicester, the champions, wanted me to come back then? Well, when I didn't want to leave then, why would I want to leave now?" And I was just thinking now to myself, "You <laughs> bum, you're in the championship. <laughs> what are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, Sai knows that I've been picking up Drake this week, and Drake made Drake's like you know, is Drake's lyrics touch my soul, and he made a everyone's soul, don't they? um, Tuscan Lever, he's got a bar, and he says something like, "Bench players talking like starters, I hate it." (laughs) (laughs) Because he ain't even he bench and he has the audacity to be talking the way he is. Why? I don't know why he'd reply to that like like that. <laughs> ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There's a there's a few more questions as well though. So um there's another one about why do technical there's one it goes why do technically gifted players not seem to make the step up to the first team as much at Spurs? Is that true? Mm. Because we saw the situation with Pochettino, didn't we? Like Marcus Edwards. Oh. Well, that's, that's, it's, it's quite a good question because, like, the thing, about, the thing about technicians I often find is that the system has to suit them. And very few players you get, especially at the high level, very few players, you get players that are going to be able to be physically at it. So they're going to give you proper PMP or they're going to kind of have that part of their game reduced because their ability to get on the ball, play with the ball, find people, find space. I personally think, and I was thinking about this actually a couple of weeks ago when I was thinking about Pochettino's teams, like if we're really honest, like the, the one player we could probably, or two players we could probably call proper technicians at Spurs during this time were probably Dembele and Ericsson. But the style of players that they were, didn't always mean that their ability to play on the ball wasn't really always their, like, I wouldn't say they're the forefront of their abilities. Like, if you look at Dembele, Dembele was proper elite PMP. So nobody could come to him physically. Nobody could really step to him when it was a, when it was a matter of a, a matter of a, getting to a ball first, finding, you know, finding the space to move the ball into and then obviously moving into that space. But also, we were very lucky that this was someone, obviously, who'd played up front before. He was able to play pretty much across the front three. So technically, he was very, very good. And obviously, Ericsson as well. Like, I know we used to talk about him very good technically, but the guy was, a, was an engine. Like, he would run and run and run. And we always know technically, he was one of the guys who would always give us the highest amount of work rate in terms of... Uh, miles or kilometers covered so when i think of the team i feel like because of pochettino's style of play especially in the last sort of four or five years we haven't really needed an emphasis on players to be 
technically gifted in the sense that if we can get the first part of te- of Pochettino's sort of style, which is the high press, the high pressure sort of football imposed on another team's, and that was one thing that always used to annoy me at Pochettino was the fact that he would never impose any other style of play. It was high press, sort of frantic, but like controlled sort of frantic football. And it was always very good when we would we were, we were able to really like take for granted players like Ericsson and players like Dembele. And even to an extent, you know, we would watch players like even Son and be like, these guys technically are very good. But we never really got to see them sort of shine purely because of the style of play, maybe. But I don't know. That's my own take. Like, what do you guys think? I just reread the question. Sorry, man. I thought it was... Uh... Youth players more. I guess oh, uh, I thought it was. It's not. It's more. I think it might be a thing where we haven't really that often played with out and out number tens, and a lot of these players have been kind of luxury players like Tarabat and Dos Santos and other young kind of luxury players we've had in the past, where we used to just play four four two, couldn't accommodate them until we really only started playing a number ten, and when Van der Vaart arrived. Um, yeah, I don't know. We've seen we're seeing the number ten role kind of fade back out as well, without us ever really fully utilising it as well. But I think it's just a whole thing of just being able to fit in luxury players. It's it's a hard thing to do for any team, to be honest. I think this question is a little unfair. Um, we've got the most technically gifted striker in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah. Which We've had so in Berbatov as well. Yeah. I don't know if he's the... I don't think he's the most technically gifted. I think in terms of technique, I think Aguero's got him. But I get, I get your point, though. Because I, I do agree with you that I think the point is harsh because I do think we have some very technical players in the team. I think players like Ericsson, Son, even Ali's got some small, small tech as well. Um, obviously, Harry Kane. Um... I think there's, there's 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 technical quality there in Dombele, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But back on back on um, Tops's point, I think when using Pochettino as an example, for instance, if we want to, we can look at it as young players like Marcus Edwards. Why didn't he break into the team? Pochettino spoke about his attitude, and um, I think attitude was a big thing for Poch because that is what gets you into the first team. We saw it. Look at Capu. Capu. No one can tell me that Bentaleb was a better te- technician than Capu. No one can tell. Me me that Ryan Mason was a better technician than Kampu. He's better than both of them technically put together. You know but, what, though? Bentaleb is a technical player, though. He is, but, but, but what I'm saying is I think Kapu is better. I think Kapu's a better striker of the ball, better passer of the ball than both. But he didn't cut out Spurs. Why? Because Pochettino had a system that he needed to, to, to work. And Kapu just couldn't adapt to that system. And it, was a, it might have probably been the same thing with Marcus Edwards as well. So I don't mm-hmm. think it's a case of technical players not making it. But I feel like no matter how good you are technically, if you're not playing to the manager's demands, you're not going to cut it. Do you think... Sorry, sorry. It's a tough one because I think we romanticise what youth players' purpose is. It's like, it's very, very rare you're going to get your star player be from the youth setup, like, especially in this country because, unfortunately, like, there's not... There's no real incentive to have those as your main guys. Like a lot of the time when, when teams do have those highly technically gifted players come through the ranks, they just end up at one of the quote unquote big, big six anyway. Um, if I go down the list, 
of players that come to mind. I mean, Huddleston adjacently came through the setup at Spurs. We signed him for one mil, and that was that was it. He broke into the team. What when he was like nineteen, twenty? He started to be around the first team. For all intents and purposes, he was only technique. Like that's all he had was great technique. Um, Bentaleb is another one I'd put in that technique category in terms of players that actually made a run in a team. I think Harry Winks gets disrespected in terms of his technical ability. I don't, I don't see any real discernible difference between his technique than a lot of other English players. If anything, I think he's better in, in the fact that he's learned how to u- utilise his technique to actually have a role immediately within the team. Um, I, do, I do think there are a lot of English midfielders technically that are better than Harry Winks, though. I like Winks. I, I think he's. What do we say? We say Madison and maybe Grealish. I think. I think. I think Ross Barkley technically is. No, I don't know, but I, I don't know. But um, I, 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 I see. What, I see what you mean. Like when when you watch Barkley, yes, you can see there's parts of his game that actually does look very neat and neat and tidy. But if I was to pick between the two Tobes. I'm definitely picking Winks, man. You you pick as a, as a central midfielder, you pick Winks because I think Winks is more of a Winks is more of a team player, and he's going to do the responsible thing for the team. But I feel like Ross Barkley, he has the ability to take more risk, more so than yeah, Harry. Yeah. He's a better dribbler of the ball. He's a better passer of the ball. He's a better shooter of the ball. And I can say the same for Madison. I can say the same for Jack Grealish. I can say the same for Jordan Henderson. I can say the same for quite a few. Henderson. Henderson. Henderson's not. Yeah. Henderson is a better. Henderson is a better passer shooter than Harry Winks. The only thing Harry Winks has over Henderson, in my opinion, is dribbling. But apart from that, he's a good first touch. He's a better dribbler than I think people give him credit for, and his passing range is actually wider than what what we get to see because of the role that he's forced to play. Like, I like, as I said, I like, I like Winksy, but I like to keep, I, I like to call a spade a spade with him. I think he can develop into a good player, but I still, I, I need to see it in effect first before I start saying that he's better than men that are actually, that are actually doing it. I feel we will see a better Winks this season. And yeah. I, 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 I just, when I think of like the role that he's been asked to play and the type of player he is, I don't know, man. I, I really do believe that like people are underestimating what it means for certain other players to have Hoiberg playing at DM now. I, I just feel like by him doing that role for us, and I haven't seen it yet, but I feel it will free up players to do things that they are actually wanting to do regularly. And someone like Winks, who I think, yes, we've not seen him like massively in, in the attacking third, but I think that this is the sort of player who actually can probably make things happen more regularly and more consistently if he's given a role where he doesn't really have to do the dirty work as much as he has been doing. Similarly for Lachelso and massively, I think, for Ndombele as well. I think with Winks, though, last year, his, the year we got to the Champions League final for me was the best Harry Winks I saw. I think, he was, I think he was fantastic. And I felt like we saw shades of that in the season when we spent at Wembley. Like, I know everyone will say, oh, yeah, you harp on about it. But I was at that game at the Bernabeu and he was class. Again, the game at Wembley against Madrid, he was class. There were many matches where he came, on the pitch on that game. He, he came into the team and he did, and he did his thing. And even eight, the, the season when we got to the Champions League final, like, he was easy, him and Sissoko were easily two of our most consistent players that season. And, and we saw a really good Harry Winks 
um, playing, keeping the game ticking, doing his job in midfield. But the problem with Wince now is he's 24 years old and we need to see a bit more risk. And the thing is, you're right. He's not a defensive midfielder. He's a central midfielder. But when you look at the central midfielders we have, do you think he's a better central midfielder than in Dumbele with the ball? No. No. Do you think he's a better central midfielder than Lacelso with the ball? No. Do you think he's a better midfielder than even dare I say it, Sissoko in terms of what Sissoko is offering us now? Oh, come on, man. No, no, come big, on, not big man. man thing, big, no, deep it, deep it. Big man thing in terms of contribution to the team right now. He's behind all three in the pecking order. I don't believe that is true at all. I think it's, it's the same conversation that people have about Henderson. As soon as they got linked with Thiago, they said, oh, Henderson's place is at risk. And it's like, no, it's not, because he's the heartbeat of the team. There's intangibles there and there's teamwork. And being that glue guy is something that we, we underestimate in um, our fan base, especially. I think we, we look at like someone like Winks being linked with City for 40 mil. And we've got what, 70% of our fan base gushing about it and going, yeah, I'd get him out. That's a great deal. That's a great deal, in my opinion. I'm sorry. As I said, I like Quincy. I want him to do well. But 40 million, if that was a real thing, I would take it all day long. Let's get more than 40 mil for him, though, if if it comes to it. From City, anyway. Okay, yeah, maybe 50, but 40 is a great offer. It's a great offer. No, I, I wouldn't see, sell him. No, I feel I feel I like those him. type of those type of sales set you back like two or three seasons because then you end up looking for squad players or guys that could make the transition to full time first teamers. You end up searching for those for three years in in the transfer window, and we've been doing that for for years now. Um, I remember when Carrick was at the club, nobody rated him to the point that they did until Manchester United came in they were like yeah "Yeah, he's a good player oh we've got genius as well like it's like that type of mentality towards it Modric same sort of thing no one wanted to see him leave but nobody gave him his flowers when he was here it took until he left never gave him his flowers come on Si ah people the first the first two years he was at the club everyone talked about oh he can't play centre mid because he's too small blah 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 you put someone like Huddleston next to him and he ascended to world class. Huddleston wasn't deemed as the best player, but he was the best player next to Modric. So I've, I, have a, I have a similar feeling with someone like Winks to basically bring the best out of other guys that are around them as opposed to being that standout individual. As I said, yeah. as I said, I like I like him. I, I, I like him. I want him to I want him to take more risk with the ball in terms of carrying it and passing it. But I like him and I want him in the squad. But ultimately, he's at an age now where he needs to decide what type of player he wants to be and he needs to sort of make that step up. Like, like Tops has said, I don't think it's helped that he's been, he's been played out of position for the best part of the season. But now that we've got someone who's more defensively minded than him, I want him in this squad. I want, I want him, Sissoko, Lo Celso and, um, and Dumbledore. We've got so many fixtures this season. I want him playing. But I also want him to... To, to take that next step up in his in his development as a football player as well. And if you ask me really and truly, what midfielders do I want to see come in or leave? The only midfielder right now who I want to see leave is Getson. And that's Getson. And I'm not sure if Lamella counts as a midfielder, but him too. Chuck Get him, him out of here, man. Get, Get him out of there, man. See, exactly. I'd love to see... <laughs> Get that bum creative. out of here, man. <laughs> I'd love to see a new creative attack in mid and maybe a new sort of 
defensive, another defensive midfielder, like a Sangari or something, to, to complement Hoiberg. So that's why we have, then we'd have end-to-end depth in every position. That's what I'd want. I wouldn't want to sell Winks, but I just need him to sort of show me why I've kept so much faith in him now. Show me, please, because this I mean, is true. I mean, I'm, I'm the president of the Winks Appreciation inviting <laughs> um, of any smoke if anyone has a bad thing to say about Lil Winks that, that kid is a baller and he's he's going to be underappreciated until he starts racking up assists and shit but that's, that's just what we fixate ourselves on as football fans is. Yeah, he's not doing what this person's doing he's not doing what De Bruyne is doing it's like come on man like nobody in world football is doing that from centre midfield so just give it a break but yeah um, went on quite long on that question, but there we go. It sparked a conversation. So, um, does anyone else have anything else before we wrap up? Um, there's one more question here. I guess one of us can sort of touch on it, so we don't go like massively over time. But someone's just someone just asked a question. If you had to guess, what XI do you think will start will start at Everton? And who are you hoping will impress in the preseason games? I think we've covered the la- the latter part of that question. So let's yeah, just we have, yeah. But I think one of us should probably deal with a sort of XI against Everton. For me, I think it's clear. Oh. But, but <laughs> what do you not think? I win anything on that one. <laughs> yeah, let him answer. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first bit of that question again? Sorry. XI first eleven. First eleven. Against Everton, who do I want to see start against Everton? Um, Fink's going to start against Everton, not who you want to see. Who's going to start? Yeah, who do you think is going to start? I think Hoybier. Uh What am I just naming from front to back? Yeah, no, God, uh, <laughs> Hugo Lois right back would be a trialist. <laughs> um, Toby and the uh, no Sanchez. Hmm? No Sanchez. I uh, I prefer Sanchez. I just think Jose will pick the uh, um yeah. use the teacher's pet. God depends on the left back as well. I'll pick the safe option I think we should sell him but Ben Davis we be uh, and this is who I think will start not who I want I start once again but I think we be may start in a double pivot with Winks Delhi then fronting up the number 10 Son Lucas Kane wow fair you think myself so won't start Uh, it's a toss up between him and Delhi. I think you'll go with the Celso. I think I think the Celso should start, but yeah, I think you'll go. Think, yeah. That's a hard one because obviously, without seeing preseason, it's 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 a bit of a difficult one. Um, I think the team will be shaped by that time by preseason and some of those. Um, pretty sure the qualifiers come before that as well. So, well, we'll see who's available. And but yeah, your team sounds about right. I would say Delhi, the Celso. Would probably be interchangeable, but mm. probably and then one. Yeah. yeah, um, that's that's all we've got for today. Um, obviously, there will be more 
content in the coming weeks and obviously we'll be back next week um do join the discord it is free um we hold a lot of discussions in real time on there uh we do lives for the games as well so yeah join it's hilarious the- as well by the way like i've been tempted to steal so much humor off there i couldn't dare rip it off it is genuinely that good it's quality yeah. It's hilarious. And, and there's, there's channels for other clubs as well. So if you, you have a feeling a bit spicy, you can jump in and give, give a bit of grief. So that's my favourite thing to do. So, Ericsson, low, it's great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Mora, and belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! First hand here to Son. Kane, good area for Spurs. And Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yenmin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best. Goals of his Spurs career. 2020 has presented its share of challenges, and some of us are taking a hard look at our future. Can you imagine owning your own business? As an Amerispec franchise owner, you can have more security and control over your future and be there for your community with an essential service year-round. You could join the most recognized brand and home inspection services, Amerispec, and provide peace of mind to home buyers. With low startup costs and excellent operational support, you can be a business for yourself, but not by yourself. Learn more at join www.amerispec.com slash podcast Sports Social Podcast Network